I'm David, and this is Barnet Humanists. This is a podcast aimed at atheist and humanist parents addressing how we talk to our kids about humanist ethics. I'd like to get better at having these discussions with my kids and hear from other parents. Let's make our kids' world a little bit better, one conversation at a time. So the main feature of this week's show is a recording of Zoe and Lena from Toulouse. Hi Zoe and Lena. And they're going to be talking to us about their thoughts on the London terror attacks and whether we should be speaking to children about these sorts of terror attacks and Islamism and so on. All joyous stuff this week. Well, we'll do our best. So I was sent two recordings by Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, the first one is just her talking with um, Zoe, with her eldest daughter. She's 10 years old, about the London terror attacks. I'm going to make a little commentary about these two conversations at the end, sort of what I take away from them. But here's the first one, and you'll hear Zoe's views. Do you think that it's a good idea that News Round and other news things news agencies um, report things like the London attacks to children and should children see those news reports? I mean it depends if they show the bodies and everything. If they don't and they just explain what's happened I think it's important because they need to know about what's happening in the world. The children do? Yeah. They shouldn't freak them out too much. Okay, and do you, what did you think about that one that we just saw that was a news round one? I think that was, it, it explained well and it didn't show photos that were too, like, gruesome and stuff. Yeah, it was just showing uh, photos of the police and it was showing fo- pictures, footage of the sort of parts of London. Yeah. But, but there was, it was just not, nothing was going on. No. Okay. And, um... What, like, regarding what actually happened during the London attack, um, what do you, like, do you have any questions about what all, all, all that was about? Well, was it recently? Yeah, it was just the one from last week. Okay. Uh, I know. But is it always the same, like, people from the same area that do the attacks in Europe? No, it's not really. It's um. So I guess what, from what you're saying, it sounds like you're. There's been so many attacks that you're like, God, what one was this again? Yeah. Well, so we're in a st- in a pe- in a period where there's lots of attacks. Do you think it'll stop? Yeah, I do think it will calm down, and this is a period where we're seeing a lot of it. But there have been other periods of my life where, where that was happening as well. So even though people get all upset and sort of like, oh God, this is terrible, this is the worst it's ever been, um, the longer you've lived, the more likely you are to have seen other things like this. Yeah. But um, no, the people aren't coming from the same place because actually most of the people who've committed these crimes live in the country and are from the country in which they've happened. So, you know, like in Paris, like like a lot a lot of the attacks in France, they were actually French people. Mm. Um, and a lot of the attacks in the UK But like what we said, 
um, like the people that they're killing have nothing to do with. Yeah, so you're talking about a conversation we've had before. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're saying, I was trying to explain to you that sort of history and the background of why people do things like this. And we ended up talking about how, yeah, but ultimately the people who are getting killed, who are being targeted, are just innocent people going about their business who who didn't have any part of the whole thing. And that that's basically the definition of terrorism, really, is the fact that you feel like um, you feel afraid and you're not really sure what could happen or when and you don't really have any so-called skin in the game. You're not involved in anything, and, yeah. but you're just frightened all the time. And that's probably the effect that these groups are looking for. But nowadays, because there are so many attacks, people get less and less worried. Well, I mean... Yeah. When people talk... At first, when people talked about the terrorist attack in Paris, I was quite shocked. But now when they talk about it in London, in Berlin, in Paris, I just get used to it. Yeah. So there's been so many. So what do you think about the fact that we sort of almost get used to it? Well, I don't think it's good because yeah. it just makes us get used to the fact that in the world there's people killing each other all the time. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's not good. Yeah, it's not. And then it makes us feel desensitised yeah. to horrible things. It also perhaps makes us just think that it involves other people. Yeah. Because for now it's not been close to home. But, um, yeah, that is one of the side effects, isn't it? Yeah. So I listened to this conversation a couple of times. And I think it's really cool. It's really interesting what Michelle has done here with Zoe. She's, um, she's done, to my mind, sort of three really important things to engage a kid... Uh, of Zoe's age in conversation about this pretty tricky topic. The first thing is that she's actually listening, right? So when you hear Zoe talking, Michelle is just fully engaging her, giving her full attention. And it's hard, you know, when you've got small kids around to really actually listen to them properly, give them your full attention. Uh, And on a topic like this, you can't really have these conversations very well if you're in the middle of things, as the parent, you're tidying up, you're doing other things, you're trying to get them to school, which is inevitably when they're going to ask tough questions, right? Kids tend to do that at the most difficult time for us to answer them. So that's why it's almost all the more important, because those times will come up when you don't get to have the conversation properly, when you are in the middle of things and you don't have the headspace as a parent to answer the questions properly to actually broach the conversation when you do have time and, and give them proper sort of listening. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I think Michelle is not dodging any of Zoe's difficult questions. So when you go to talk about a topic like terror attacks and how they make us feel and whether we should talk about them with children, then children are going to ask difficult questions of their own and they need to feel like we're going to really try to answer them. We're not going to avoid them. So, you know, Zoe had put some pretty difficult ones to Michelle, and I think Michelle did pretty well trying her best to answer them, and and again, giving her full attention when she did. 
The last thing is a really simple thing Michelle does in these conversations, which is to give time. Right? She's talking in quite a sort of not slow voice, but or low voice, but more just sort of calm and thoughtful. And it gets across this idea that this is a thoughtful a topic we need to be calm and thoughtful about. But also leaving plenty of space and being willing to say things like, I don't know. And let the children, you know, try and fill some of those spaces themselves rather than be the people to talk over them or talk over the awkward silences. So these are just three things I noticed about this conversation. And now on to the next one where Zoe's little sister Lena joins in. Okay, so I'm just talking to Lena and Zoe and we've just had a look at the news round um, piece about the London attacks. So we're going to talk about it. Um, so first of all, Lena, we, I was wondering if you, do you think it's a good idea that children should see and hear news bulletins about things like that? Um, yeah. Because uh, so that way they're aware that things might happen at any moment. And um, but do you think it could be that it scares some children? It might be like scaring for like a few ones, like ones that are more around one, two, three years old. But do you think that news round does a good job? Yes. Do you think it would be scarier on a different news channel, more maybe more for adults? Might do you think they might show things that you might find upsetting? Maybe I might like show somebody get bombed up, but I haven't really watched that. Yeah, would you would what would you feel about that if that's something that you could have seen? I would be quite scared and just a bit worried. Yeah, and with Zoe, we were talking about how there have been a lot of attacks um over the last few years. Yeah. Um, do you, do you, what ones do you remember? The Paris one. Yeah. Uh, then there's, um. Maybe you don't remember all the places. Yeah, I don't really remember. Remember there's this Paris and. With it, what was, what is it that makes you remember that one the most? Because we dis- did this whole thing at school that where we had to draw things on Paris and flowers and... Yeah. Was that the one with the pens that you held up the pens? You yeah. know, Charlie Hebdo? They were pencils. Or pencils. Or was that... Or were um, you talking about a different one? I don't know because we were outside... Having a minute de silence, and then after the teacher asked us to have a minute de silence, a, a minute, a minute of silence, yeah, yeah, in class and also outside, but we didn't have to hold up the pencils. We just looked down on our back. Okay, yeah, because in France, one of the, one of the, ones that marked us a lot was when people went in and killed people in in a. Who journalists yeah. for a magazine called Charlie Hebdo, and then but after that, then there was the big Paris attack where people were killed around the city, including in a in a night in a concert hall 
in a famous concert hall. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And that happened just one week after we had been in Paris in, in the same area as that concert hall, actually. Um, what? Yeah. Uh, so, Anna, do you have any questions about all these attacks? Like, what do you think's going on? Well, I don't know. It's maybe like this group of people going around the world bombing people and trying to do terrorist attacks. Why was why would people why would anyone do that? I don't know because they're mentalists. They're seeking revenge. They're seeking revenge. Zoe says they're seeking revenge. Lena says they're a bit mad. Is that what you mean? Well, yeah. they're mad as well. It's like some person that put this idea in their head for being like, I'm going to kill loads of people. Even if I kill myself, it doesn't matter. I just want to seek revenge so, and so I'll kill people. And so yeah. that way they, they understand not to kill the people of my city. And so what, what is it about revenge? So, I mean, if they're looking for revenge, they kill other people. Then what about if, that, if you, they've killed your son or your boyfriend or your daughter, then do you need to seek revenge for that? You know, well, like, when does it stop? I mean, you need to be reasonable at some point. Yeah. Like, somebody needs to stop so that it all stops. So well, hopefully it'll stop. So somebody, because it's probably quite hard to forgive or to move on from somebody yeah. being killed or something horrible. So someone needs to, do you mean that, that someone needs to break the cycle? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's quite hard to do that yeah. because, like, in that London attack um, that we just watched on Newsland, yeah. um like it was sort of like like us we we're quite shocked that people are killing other people yeah. but we're not as sad as if it would be our family like right. that yeah. the people from our family yeah. that would be killed but if we would be somebody from their family we would really be mad at the people that killed them exactly. and just we would w- just want to kill those people for having uh, right, them. Exactly. So it would be quite hard to just stop it. To just move, yeah. w- break the cycle. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's, that's, uh, that's what I was going to say. But after there's like these completely nutters that just go around killing people for I don't know what reason. Yeah. Yeah, so you would just basically think this is, this is people who you don't, you just have no cycle. understanding and, and you just have, you just don't know what's going on with them. Yeah, they're just yeah. completely psycho. They're completely psycho. Okay, so are we gonna stop it here? If you want. Well, I think I'm just going to end the show pretty much on this note, on this conversation, and maybe just take the opportunity to uh, to comment a little bit on my end on how these two conversations went. I'm really amazed. I mean, I'm really impressed with how erudite and knowledgeable and, and sort of just how valuable that conversation was. You know, that a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old were able to have a talk with their mum not only air their fears or their worries about 
terrorism, right? This is a topic that we don't talk very much with our kids about, and it's quite, for good reasons, it's a sensitive topic. So not only they were able to do that, but Zoe got on in that last conversation to a point that you rarely hear or read about discussed intelligently, even in media, by people with years of training on the topic about cycles of revenge and violence. I think this is just really great that a 10-year-old can get to this idea. And also that she comes to it, Zoe came to this last point on revenge uh, with this real recognition that it's a difficult point, right? That until we've experienced something awful like losing a relative ourselves, we can't really know how hard it must be to experience something like that and to break oneself out of a cycle of revenge. I teach literature and, and much of Shakespeare's drama is on this topic. It's Romeo and Juliet, or it's Macbeth, or it's Julius Caesar. It's people who are locked in, whole societies that are locked into cycles of revenge and vendetta and violence and just don't know how to break out of them. And around the world, this is happening. So I want to thank Michelle, Zoe and Lena for contributing these conversations. I thought Lena's questions were really on point as well. I thought she really got to ask about whether children should be asked these questions, and if so, how, and what goes too far. I think she's really right that showing graphic things, you know, bodies and so on, is not the right way to involve children in what's going on in the world, the news and terrorism, and what we should think about it all. Right, We've got to be careful what we show them visually, especially. But locking them out of the discussion of these topics is to try to, in a sense, preserve them from reality to a degree that's only going to either distance them so they're not equipped to deal with it, or that it becomes very attractive. And I found this around children of, you know, eight, nine, ten years of age, that they deliberately ask sort of difficult questions and provocative questions, and often in a way to sort of irritate grown-ups on purpose, because they don't get to have a conversation like what we've just heard, where they really have their mum's full attention, can ask anything, where she's going to you know, do her best to answer difficult questions, leave space and time for everybody to say what they think and to ask what they want to ask. And again, I think be willing to say things like, I don't know, you know grown-ups don't have the answer to these problems. Uh, and I, I don't think that's something that panics or worries children to hear that grown-ups don't have the answers. I think maybe initially they don't like it when grown-ups say things like, I don't know. But ultimately, they get more used to that idea that maybe there's a bigger world out there of things that grown-ups don't have the solution to. That in itself is really valuable. So thank you to the three of them for contributing this conversation. I hope it was valuable to you and to any other listeners we've got out there. If you're a listener, please get in touch. Tweet me at barnethumanist and email barnethumanist at gmail.com with your recordings that you've done with your children, with your suggestions for future recordings. I didn't get round to a book review this week, but I will do as soon as possible, definitely next week, on... BBC Radio Poo Today's news is Daddy has a big beard. <laughs>
Ah, my beard. Daddy wants a. Daddy wants to record a. Barnet humanist. <laughs> In my Yay. beard. All the little beard people. Hello, what a beard people. And heads. There's all the little people in my beard. Yeah. Help, help. We're drowning in the beard. What do you want to do, Daddy? <laughs> uh, maybe I should tidy up my beard and get all the people out. Do you want a coffee? Yeah, I've already had the coffee. Very yummy. Yeah, here it is. Crumbs? Do you want crumbs? Oh, crumbs. Yum, yum, yum. Yay, BBC Radio 2. <laughs> bye bye, Pooh. <laughs> You can you can you can say a silly thing. Yeah, all right. That noise is poo. And should I stop it? That was big bag I haven't seen back in the toilet. Should I pause it? And and they and then and then they. Horse? They clean the whole thing and the two people. And now should I pause it? Baby Bo Poo. Now should I pause it?